Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and co-author and colleague, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that we do live on Facebook and YouTube every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, and then it's available for replay. And it's also available for replay as an audio-only file on Amazon, not Amazon, Apple, and a whole bunch of other podcast outlets. And this is an opportunity to bring some of the learning that we gain doing pet loss support groups, facilitating pet loss support groups for many years. In Nancy's case, many decades. In my case, a little over one decade. And we compiled that knowledge into a book called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And we're happy to be with you to entertain a discussion and to bring that learning that we gained over those years to you and hopefully reach a much broader audience in the process. We like very much for you to be in touch with us. So please do feel free to get in touch with us and send your suggestions for topics and your questions and your comments. And you can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. And you can reach Nancy at n Saxton Lopez at csmpc.com. And that is N S A X T O N L O P E Z at csmpc.com. We'd like you to know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin is a 501c3 community supported animal welfare organization that provides a whole range of services, including shelter and medical care and spay neuter services and behavioral rehab. They touch more than 20,000 animals and people every year. And since they opened in 1969, Dakin has become one of the most prominent recognized nonprofit organizations in central Massachusetts and a national leader in animal welfare. You can learn more about Dakin, and I hope you do, by going to dakinhumane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E.org. You can also make a donation, which would be greatly appreciated. And also, you can make a donation to support the work that Nancy and I are doing in this broadcast. There's a link in the description that would allow you to go to Anchor, which is a podcast outlet, and make a contribution. So that all being said, we want to talk today. We have a lot going on tonight, <laughs> and maybe for another few weeks, right? We yeah, we, we've a got a lot of notes, and we want to respond to them. And tonight we think we're going to focus mostly on anticipatory grief because we've recently heard from a number of people on this question of how do I manage the ambiguity of knowing that I have a 16-year-old dog, health is beginning to fail, I have a 20-year-old cat, they've got some increasing problems and I know the end is coming, but I also don't have any clarity about that and what do I do? Because they're not gone, but I'm feeling like it's coming imminently. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this in many groups and we've talked about it in many with many individuals. And, and the reality is that it is a loss because it is the loss of the expectation of an extensive future. And so that's really hard because we like to think that we don't have to think about death for some time, even though we know that our animals have fairly limited lifespans compared to our own, we don't generally have to think about them dying in the near future. Mm -hmm. 
but we do when they get to a certain age and they start to have all kinds of difficulties. I think, I think the most, um, Oh, significant um, piece for me, which I think is for a lot of people because I've gone through this with mm -hmm. animals. By the way, Boogie has arrived. <laughs> and so um, is the anxiety, mm -hmm. um, especially with an animal that we're taking care of, like mm -hmm. needs medications, yeah. needs a lot of attention, um, has a lot of vet appointments. Um, there's always that anxiety about what the vet is going to say, you know, you know, if there are problems with medications, we need this medication, but it will counteract with this medication, or there's this issue. I know with Rosie, she had a kidney issues and she had cancer. So, so it became really problematic in, and well, what was going to, what would eventually kill her, but, mm -hmm. but what happened is the kidney medication or the, or the cancer medications would be problematic for the kidneys. And so we knew that it was going to be eminent. Mm -hmm. However, she had been sick with cancer and with kidney disease for a year or two. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, and when when my other Noel, I mean, was diagnosed with a tumor many years ago, you're like, I, I remember waking up in the middle of the night out of breath and I would look at her and oh my God, she's still breathing. And, you know, it really wears on us. Sure. Yeah. Um, because yeah. we don't know when it will happen and we don't know if we'll have to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it brings to mind my Isabel's death this last June, she had congestive heart failure and we were told that she would probably live a year, a year and a half. She actually lived close to three years. And so she had five different medications yeah. that she would take twice a day. And as she approached her 16th birthday, I was, I was getting the feeling that, and this was, she actually died the day before her 16th birthday. I, I had kind of gotten used to the idea that she would be with us for right. the foreseeable future because she was pretty stable. So long. Right. Yeah, she was pretty stable through all of this. And, you know, we'd, we, would, we had a routine that worked really well. And then she went in and, and we also thought, although we were told that she could either progress over a bit of time, a couple of weeks in a way that we would have to make a decision about euthanizing her or that she could collapse and it right. could happen very quickly. And that the, the, the latter is what happened. She, I, I had been on a, a zoom call with my son who lives in Germany and I went inside and found her in crisis and, you know, panting, having vomited up a whole bunch of fluid, blue tongue, blue, blue lips, packed her off to the vet and she was gone. And just, and just, it was, and, and even though I, you know, we'd been preparing for this exactly. for a really long time, it still hit like it was all new. Exactly. And that's really the, that's really the, the, the crux of the matter is that you, you grieve the sense of invulnerability. Right you grieve the sense that that you kind of expect that your friend is healthy 
And, and so you deal with that loss and it's a very uncertain loss, kind of a rolling loss. And then when the actual loss, one of the things people sometimes right. feel is that when the loss hits, they'll be sort of grieved out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like they'll be ready. They've been and, grieving for so long, right? Yeah. And in many cases, that is not what happened. No. Because, you go into shock, right? Yeah. So something like when you went into a little bit of shock. Oh my God. Okay. What's what's going on now? It was like this? unreal. It was just yeah, unreal. So and yet it was totally predictable. That. I know. Totally mm -hmm. predictable, but completely, completely Shocking. unreal. Yeah. It's just, right? So we're just. This is the way many human beings operate. I mean, you may be the rare person who sort of makes peace with it and really does kind of feel like you're going to handle this. And it's, but it's very common for it to be very fresh when you actually have the loss. And so one of the, the, the questions we have is, are there groups for people who are going through anticipatory grieving and the, the thought that I have about that is a pet loss group or a pet loss community is probably very well prepared yes, to, to help to, to you help with right. the anticipatory right. grief because many of the people in that community or group will have gone through it, even if in fact they have now lost their friend and all of them will be sensitive to that. One, of the, one of the things that I, I think is, is really beautiful about, groups is that we have never found we have never found a group to be rejecting toward anyone like no, it's not like never. it's not like you would come in and say i'm really sad because my pet is having some really serious health conditions and i know they're nearing the end nearing the end of their life and somebody would say well at least you still have them that never happens no that i, I never don't remember, recall any any time that that yeah and and if it did happen which i can I just can't even imagine. There would be so many others who would counter that and be empathic right. and understanding that you would undoubtedly reap a great deal of support. But but that that doesn't happen because people understand. You know, people well, like you said, understand. a lot of people, even though they've come to the group because of, of a death or loss, have gone through the anticipatory stages, sure, right? Sure. Because there are many pets that are become ill and their illnesses. I mean, Hank had illnesses for what, 10, five years, six years before he died. And so, you know, the thing that, that in human terms, I remember the terms of endearment, the movie mm -hmm. with Shirley MacLaine and Debbie Winger and Debbie Winger was so, so sick. And Shirley MacLaine was out there. You have to give, you know, the pain medication to my daughter. And and she would say to her, to Debbie Winger's husband, I can't remember who it was, Jeff Daniels, I think it was. And and she would say, "This is awful. You know, she, you know, she's suffering. She 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 needs to die. She she you know." And then she died. Mm -hmm. And then Shirley MacLaine goes, "I never thought it would be like this," mm -hmm. because there was such an anticipation right over a period of time and then she died and then right. it was like it it was a shock it was new it was like you said absolutely it's it's not it, it we, we don't get prepared for the real thing although it's a good thing to benefit from support as we're preparing yes. for it I, I, there's so many circumstances that that many people have experienced that parallel this so for example if you have a family member 
who is an elder family member, usually it would be, who is having a dementia that's progressing. Yes. That's the, that's part of, that's kind of similar to this ongoing, you're, you're having these rolling losses, like you're, you're losing them a little at a time. A little bit every day. Yeah. It's really, yeah. really hard. And uh, I mean, it, 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 it fits in, in my view, it fits into the category of ambiguous loss that we yeah. just, there are some losses that are, that are uncertain. The, the relationship is still there. It's just not, it's not the same. It's being challenged with this anticipation. It's being challenged with, in, in the case of somebody who is dying from a progressive illness, it's being challenged by the erosion right. of that their presence. It's not the same as that. Yeah. I just had this with a client with her mother dying who had Alzheimer's and it, she just couldn't place how, the mother that she had with yeah. a mother that was, that was slowly dying. Yeah. Was it was it was kind of similar with that. My dad died from Creutzfeldt Jakob disease, oh, which is that it's mad cow disease, actually. Oh, that's and right. he he lost physical function and then he began to lose cognitive and and brain function. It happened over the course of about 10 months, I guess. Yeah. And it was so it was so wrenching because well, for at first we didn't for a very long time we didn't even know what was none of us knew what was actually happening but the the loss the erosion of health the erosion of functioning and when it comes to our pets we we have to take care of every everything that's for them. right As you said you're you're having you don't have work. nurses coming in or you know yeah. or you know no. aids or something we do the work right yeah. we take care of them so for people who ask what I what I think is it's so good to get support. It's yes. so good to get support, whether it's from a group, whether it's from an online community, whether it's from a therapist who is well versed in in helping people with the loss of the relationship with their animal companion and and do all the other things that we always talk about. So if if journaling helps for you, then then do that. If playing music helps, like take care of yourself mm -hmm. in all the basic ways. And also try to spend time with your beloved pet in ways that are kind of like the opportunity to reminisce, to right. coalesce memories, take pictures, that kind of thing. Life review, you yeah. know, do the things that they would love to do. You know, yep. you see that like on social media now that last couple days where they go on the walks and they have the cheeseburgers and, yeah. you know, you know, or a steak and, you know, they, they take them and put them in the sun and, you know, all of this stuff, which is, yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. We, we, we took Abigail, Abigail died in August, August 23rd, I believe either 23rd or 24th. It's upsetting to not remember precisely, but she she died shortly after our last trip to Provincetown with her, and I took her down to the beach. And I, I mean, I didn't I didn't expect that she was dying actually, but she was older than sixteen years. Took her down to the beach, took her out walking on the the busy commercial street there, so that she could be you know engaged in all the activity. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad that I did. 
because oh, we took her out to dinner. She's had yes, that's right. I remember you saying that she was she had a, a chair at the table, <laughs> and she was doted on by the staff. And she, I mean, she was this tiny little five and a half pound chihuahua. Yes, <laughs> who was very sweet and very very calm. <laughs> but I, those are great memories, right? Mm -hmm. Those counter the they they're they're countering the distress of the images of oh, her last moments, you know? So all, everything we can do with our pets that helps us remain connected, remain really important. Connected and know that we've done everything we can do as they pass on. Yeah, yeah. So do we want to move to our next yes. topic? Yes, we, we had um, three folks that we may not get to all of them today. Um, we have Cindy. We'll start with Cindy uh, wrote to us, Julie wrote to us, and Kristen wrote to us. So um, Cindy, um, and they all said that we could use, you know, their stories and their names. Mm -hmm. and so Cindy um, had four Siamese cats at one point. Um, and the first one died in 2020. She did not go into too much of, if I remember what that death was, but she then had Sniffy and, and Wrigley and Princess. Okay. Um, now they were getting older and Sniffy started to lose weight over time, although seemed fine and was eating, um, Wrigley had some medical issues. He developed pancreatitis and had had a lung effusion and was hospitalized. And he so he was coming home with a feeding tube. Mm. But at that time, Sniffy stopped eating and drinking, got pancreatitis, had labored breathing, a tear in his esophagus, maybe, and he had to be euthanized. So here you have um, Wrigley um that was having some real medical issues and sniffy who had some but all of a sudden went into distress and had to be euthanized and then right after that princess started acting differently and she ended up being diagnosed with lymphoma so so all of this for cindy happened in a very short period of time so all of a sudden, she had two very sick cats and one that had to be euthanized. And so I can't even imagine the amount of anxiety and all of that emotional energy. Now she has to take care of two cats. And she has one that she loved desperately that has had to, you know, cross the bridge. So she's grieving. And she's also having anticipatory grieving with the other two. Right, right. And she's also feeling guilty as a well, major, of course, we a all major thre thread of her grief is guilt that she didn't do enough, which is right. so, which is so much, yeah, just so much a uh, part of many people's grieving. So she's feeling guilty. She's, she's has a lot of sorrow and she has anxiety all at the same time because of what's going on with Princess and Wrigley. So, you know, our hearts go out to her. She, mm -hmm. Good pet parent, can't, can't be better. And yet, yes, the, everyone always feels, what did I miss something with Sniffy? Did yeah. I not do the right things? Did I not get the right tests? What, 
what happened here? Because everything was pretty sudden. I mean, Sniffy's death was pretty, it was, you know, his crisis was pretty sudden, even though he had been sick. So the other part of this is the emotional exhaustion. Yeah. Even just listening to it and thinking about the emotions, thinking about the work, thinking about the expense that yeah. all of all of this brings on and and all at once this is happening it's really a huge amount of pressure in many different areas of life right you know and i want to talk about finances for a little bit because i do know that that is a tremendous stressor absolutely um, and Expensive. you know some of the some of the pieces I've read, though, especially coming out of, you know, the vet schools and so forth has been, you know, there's a there's a line that you that you have to go by. And part of it, because what they're how they're coming from it is you have to take care of you. You yeah. can't, you know, the, the, I guess I, and I don't want to know if say if this is exactly their words, but I guess I'm kind of summarizing, you know, you, you can't, even though you may want to use all of your resources to take care of uh, or to hope that your animal lives, I mean, it may behoove you to really talk to the veterinarians and to make some decisions or to have some kind of prognosis because, you know, what happens is if you deplete all your savings, then, and the animal dies, then, I mean, you know, you, I mean, you couldn't have done anything more, but it could put a, a much, a much greater stress, which I thought was interesting in how they were presenting that. The, the other part of this, of grieving or, or working with our animals and treating our animals is you got to take care of you. Yeah. More yeah. ways than just you know, you know, eating healthily, trying to get some, you know, some mm -hmm. good sleep, I mean, you know, which is hard or getting exercise. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that, that you've incurred great expense yeah. in taking care of your pets. It was interesting to me when, when Abigail was in her crisis, we were talk the vet, our vet was talking to the emergency vet and she said to me, you can try to get her down to the emergency mm -hmm. vet you should know that she'll probably, if she survives even at all, she, it'll probably cost several thousand dollars because mm -hmm. she'll need to be in an oxygen tent. She'll need to be watched. And we were going to, we were going to do that. We, we were going to go and, and, and give her everything possible, but she, she died. I mean, she died while basically while we were having that conversation, but it's interesting to me that, that, and good that she, had that conversation. That's and, right. And and I asked her what she would do. It was interesting also. I said, what would you do if this were your pet? And she said, I it's very hard for me to say because you love her. Yeah. And and right. it now she's 16 plus she's in she's got some really serious things going on. So she's probably not going to survive this. But that would be it, it that's my clinical perspective you have to i thought it was very thoughtful right because the way she responded her, her emotional you know, perspective her clinical yeah. perspective right because i was i was like you know my my husband was in this covid my husband had to be in the car so he was on the phone <laughs> was, you know all of this adds a whole other layer the covid 
the COVID pressure and stress and, you know, it's everything is, everything is filtered through that. And, but I, I, even though I've worked and lived with this kind of issue all these years, I was still like a mess. Like I, I wanted help in deciding and, you know. Well, the other, you know, and I've seen this happen with, with, you know, people at, you know, when I did the blue pearl thing, what, you know, they would feel if they couldn't absolutely afford it, they, of course they would feel guilty. Right. That yeah. is another really yeah. big thing about guilt. Yeah. I couldn't take care of my animal. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's such difficult decisions. Well, yeah. the, it's it's interesting. I've done some work with a shelter where they they are overflowing a lot of the time, and they have to they have to euthanize some of the dogs, and it's extraordinarily trying for them because yeah. it's it's this question on a massive scale, right? Like, right. what do you do when you are inundated and you know that you can't you can't house or care for all of these animals, and and yeah, it's a very, but, but I'm glad that there is, there is more information coming out on that because the technology is advancing in ways where sure we can maybe keep your animal alive. You know, maybe they're going to survive, maybe they're not, but it, we could keep them alive for a period of time with all kinds of intervention right. and it might cost 10,000 more, you know, so it's a very important question and one that people need to, so you're saying that, it, that the research is saying you should have a line. Yes. That's, that's what I was reading from mostly a lot of the big vet schools, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, big organizations that were saying, remember, you have, you have to take care of you too. Yeah. You know, which I thought was interesting because of course, all of us, are, we'll do anything. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. go into debt. We'll, you know, we'll spend the money, any money we, we can yeah. to, to do as much as we can. And there are people that can do that and will do it, you know? Right. And, but it's, but I feel for those people that really don't have the, the finances to be able to do some of these, some of these really big surgeries. And, and most Americans do no. not have a large emergency fund. No, we, we just don't have it. I mean, that's the, that's what's typical of the United States is people just, they, they work hard, but they also just don't have a lot of savings. Right. And so this is a this is a real dilemma for many many people. So but, the, so the thought is is that if if anyone gets a pet or you know and, and to either if if you can save a little money all the time for those kind of bills and or because that's part of the responsibility of mm -hmm. having the mm -hmm. animal mm -hmm. or get pet insurance right now pet insurance i mean my daughter's uh frenchie has to have palate surgery it's going to be sixty one hundred dollars wow. they do have true panion um and i'm hoping that as far as i know about true panion although they won't cover boogie because they found out he had epilepsy anyway but but that's that's not a typical but I would hope that he, they will only have to pay their deductible and Trupanio will pay the rest. So there's, yeah, but that's $300 a month, right? Yeah. So you're paying for the insurance. So yeah. either you can save a little money or just realize, or there are, there are, there are 
organizations that will help out with surveys. Mm -hmm. um, I've tried to work on that a few times. And if I get all of that information, I can share it. We'll, we'll share it on this on the podcast. But also there's a process to go through that, right? There's applications and all. Yeah, that yeah. But, but let's let's talk, let's kind of wrap up our conversation though about multiple losses. Yes. And and you know, the way I think about this is you're gonna deal with those losses in a way that is dictated by your personal style. Yeah. So some people will literally find themselves grieving one at a time sequentially. Yeah. Others it will be just a all big at once. all at once, all together. I I I I was speaking with a gentleman today whose whose parent-in-laws both died within the past three weeks. Oh. Both of them. They were fairly elderly, but not not very old-aged people. And so he and his wife are are working through those losses kind of simultaneously. And they were both very close to these people. They were very important in their life. And so, and, and other people will actually just shut down. Exactly. I was just going to say that they will be while. able to deal with it because there was, it's too overwhelming. It's too much. And then over time, they'll start working mm -hmm. on it. Right. And, and again, the, always what you have to keep in mind is there's no right and wrong here. You do what feels right. If you're, if you're, if you're feeling loss more strongly for one of these relationships and another, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person and you didn't love the other one. Of course. It's just, it's just, it's just the way we operate emotionally is a, is a mystery to us, I would say for the most part. And there's no place for judgment in this no place for judgment is how you grieve and everyone grieves differently. And it is especially taxing when you have more than one loss. And it yeah. doesn't have to be just multiple animal losses, right? Like Cindy with her with with her anticipatory grief for two of her cats and the, the death of one. But it could be a loss of a job. It could be a divorce. Yeah. It could be, there's all yeah. these things that could yeah. happen. Life happens. Life can be messy all at once. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we will stop there for now, Nancy. It's always it's great talking with always. you. And I'm happy that we had this opportunity to share and hope everybody has a good evening. Yes. Take care, everyone.